lest you think I am bothered by the heat, I am not at all, but there is a tiny, tiny little bug who keeps flying around my face. Uh, that is very bothersome to me. So if you see me doing this, it's not for heat. It's because there's a little tiny bug who keeps flying around my eyes. Uh, this morning, God's word comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 2, and that is printed for us uh, in the worship folder this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to begin our reading at verse 4 and then read just through verse 12. 1 Peter 2, beginning at verse 4. What we hear now is God's word. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here we have the reading of God's holy word. Also in our worship folder this morning is um, Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 12. And I would like to read for you this morning question 31 and 32. Dealing with the second person of the Trinity, question 31, why is he called Christ, meaning anointed? The answer, because he has been ordained by God the Father, has been anointed with the Holy Spirit, to be our chief prophet and teacher, who perfectly reveals to us the secret counsel and will of God for our deliverance. Our only high priest, who has set us free by the one sacrifice of his body, and who continually pleads our cause with the Father, and our eternal King, who governs us by his word and spirit, and who guards us and keeps us in the freedom he has won for us. Question 32, but why are you called a Christian? Because by faith I am a member of Christ, 
and so I share in his anointing. I am anointed to confess his name, to present myself to him as a living sacrifice of thanks, to strive with a good conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and afterward to reign with Christ over all creation for all eternity. Well, if you look at the title of the sermon this morning, May I Call Myself a Christian, you might say that seems like a rather strange title. Well, of course I can call myself a Christian. I know Jesus Christ. He came and he died for my sins. I know his blood covered my sins. Why would you ask me I call myself a Christian? We've been talking about the second person of the Trinity, his person and his work. When we talk about the fact that our sins are taken away, we are talking about his name, Jesus. Remember, children, why is he called Jesus, meaning Savior? Because he saves us from our sins. So when we say my sins are taken away, we are talking about his work as Savior, the one who has saved us. To ask the question, may I call myself a Christian? We are not talking about his name. We are talking about his title. He was called Jesus Christ. And that's a little different question. Not am I saved, but am I living like a Christian, like a follower of Christ, one who was anointed? one who was set apart to, to do particular tasks. Am I following that Christ? He is the one who came to perfectly fulfill three Old Testament offices. In the Old Testament, there were three types of people who were anointed, who were set apart for particular service. In the Old Testament, we had prophets, and we had priests, and we had kings, and all three were anointed. They had a particular task to do. Jesus Christ comes, the anointed of God, and he perfectly fulfills all three of those Old Testament tasks. So we're going to look this morning at his anointing. What does it mean that Christ was called Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one? And then in light of that, what is my anointing? May I take that title Christian to myself? First Christ's anointing, and then the Christian's anointing. In the Old Testament, prophets were anointed for service. What was the task of the prophets, children? We often think of prophets as those who foretold the future. But if we look at the Old Testament prophets, their job was not so much to foretell the future. Their job, the job of the prophet, was to declare the word of the Lord. Now, at times that dealt with future events. But the primary job of the prophet was to declare 
the word of the Lord, which is why we read, when we read the prophets, they say, thus saith the Lord, and then give a declaration that comes from God. Jesus Christ was anointed. Our confession says, he has been ordained by God the Father and has been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher. He is the one who perfectly reveals to us God's will for our deliverance. Jesus Christ came as the fulfillment of God's word. He is called the word of God. He perfectly fits that prophetic office. And that, that makes sense because he is the one who has been speaking of himself throughout the prophetic words. Look at our text. We have two quotations from Isaiah. First verse 6. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. That is speaking of Jesus Christ. He is the one who is that cornerstone, chosen and precious. The prophets spoke of him. Look at verse 8. He is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. This is Jesus Christ. The one who has spoken through the prophets of himself who would be that chief cornerstone chosen and precious and that stone of stumbling and that rock of offense. He came to fulfill all the Old Testament prophecies. He is our deliverance. He came to perfectly reveal God's means of salvation for all of his people. He was that way. He was that one through whom and only through whom we could be saved. The message of one to come and deliver, he was that message. Amazing. The promise of a Savior who would come, a Redeemer who would come to save all of God's people. And that promise is fulfilled through God's own Son. But not only through His life, through His death. Through the death of the Son of God. Salvation is accomplished. He is that promised greater prophet. And in Him... And in Him alone there is salvation. He came to perfectly reveal God's way of salvation for His people. And He continues to do that today. This morning we open the Word of God and we read about Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. And so the call goes out again today. Put your trust, believe in Him alone and know the joy of a Christ who has been anointed as your chief prophet and teacher, as your Savior from sin. Jesus Christ was anointed as a prophet. In the Old Testament, priests would be anointed. And I think if I asked you kids, what was the job of the priest? You would tell me, rightly, well, priests offered sacrifice for the people, and that's what they did. Priests offered sacrifice again, again, and again. And all of those sacrifices pointed forward to a greater sacrifice, to a final sacrifice, 
All those sacrifices were pictures for them of the true sacrifice who would come. And so our confession reminds us Jesus Christ was anointed as our only high priest who has set us free by the one sacrifice of his body. He comes as the sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. After him, there is no more need for sacrifice. He is that final sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice, that complete sacrifice. Takes away the sins of the world. Not only is, the is he the sacrifice, he's the sacrificer as well. He is the offerer and he is the offering. The one who offers up himself for all of his people. He is the reality that all the Old Testament looked forward to. The high priest, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. The high priest's job was not only to offer sacrifice. The high priest's job was also to intercede, to pray for God's people. Our confession picks that up. He is our only high priest who has set us free by the one sacrifice of his body and who continually pleads our cause with the Father. And we have talked about that before, how Jesus Christ pleads for us. He pleads our cause in God's presence. Jesus prays for you. We bring our petitions, we bring our, our requests, and he brings those to the Father on our behalf. Our concerns are his concerns, which is why we pray in Jesus' name. We pray that God would hear us for Jesus' sake. He is our intercessor. He was anointed as a priest. And in the Old Testament, kings were anointed. Kings were set apart for a particular purpose. And in a certain way, kings were a representative of the people before God. They functioned as the covenant head of God's people. Many, many times, if the king was good, the people lived faithful lives. If the king was evil, the people lived, lived evil lives. Confession says that Christ came and he was anointed as our eternal king, our true covenant head, our life found in him. He is our king who governs us by his word and spirit. Jesus Christ, the king, governs us by his word. Jesus uses his word, he uses his law to direct us, to direct our lives. And he uses his spirit to enlighten our minds and our hearts with a desire and a will to keep that law. He is the one who governs us by his word and spirit, and our confession says, the one who guards us and keeps us in the freedom he has won for us. A king defends his people. A king watches out for his people. Jesus Christ does that for us. He guards us. He keeps us in the freedom that we have. 
I love how the Catechism uses that description of our walk with God. It is a freedom to walk with Him. I think it's easy for us to, to picture following after God as, as a number of things we cannot do. We don't see our walk with God as the path of freedom. It's, it's all these things we can't do. It's as if walking with God is bondage. Sin is the bondage. Christ in Him is the freedom. The freedom to live as God has called us to live. It is Satan who enslaves. It is Christ who sets free. Jesus Christ, our eternal King. He was anointed as prophet and priest and king. Therefore, He was Christ, the anointed. And so we ask ourselves this question. In light of that, in light of his work as prophet and priest and king, may I call myself a Christian? May I take that name upon myself? That anointing being set apart. Well, look at our text, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. You are being built up as a spiritual house. You share in the anointing of Christ. And that's question 32 in our catechism. Why are you called Christian? Because by faith I am a member of Christ, and so I share in His anointing. We share in the anointing as a prophet. Now that doesn't mean we foretell the future. Our confession says, I am anointed to confess his name. What a prophet does is declare the word of the Lord. And we do that by confessing the name of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him. That's what a prophet does. Proclaiming the excellency of Jesus Christ. Now certainly we do that when we gather for worship on the Lord's Day. We sing our songs of praise to Him. We raise our prayers to Him. This is a part of our prophetic task to declare His name. To declare His name in the congregation among His people. If I call myself a Christian... This is where I belong on Sunday. In the midst of God's people, in His very presence, declaring His name. Declaring His name in church. Declaring His name in the world. Declaring His name in our homes, with our families. Declaring His name in our education. Declaring His name in our work. Declaring His name in our interactions with others that others may know the truth of the gospel. If I call myself a Christian, then I need to declare that name. I need to tell others the truth that I know. And I call myself a Christian. 
if we call ourselves Christians, we share in his priestly office, not meaning that we offer anything for our salvation. But as our confession says, to present myself to him as a living sacrifice of thanks. If I call myself a Christian, I present myself as a living sacrifice of thanks. Look at verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Our minds go to the words of Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, where Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, to present yourself to God. If I call myself a Christian, it means I live not for myself, but I live for him. That all of my life is offered as, as a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. The praise of his glorious name. We, in our priestly office, intercede for others. We pray for others. We pray for those inside the church. We pray for those outside the church. If I call myself a Christian, I must be a person of prayer. Regularly interceding for the needs of God's people, regularly interceding for the needs of the world. We share in that kingly office. Our confession says, I am anointed to strive <clears throat> with a good conscience against sin and the devil in this life. To strive against sin and the devil. Look at verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. A king wages war. And there is a war being waged against our very own souls. We are to strive with the power of the Spirit that God gives to us against those sins those desires of the flesh which war against us, those besetting sins that we seem to return to again and again, we may not simply give in. If I call myself a Christian, I don't simply give in to my sin, but I say by the power of the Spirit, I will war against that sin. That's what it means to call yourself a Christian, to be in battle against the wilds, of the devil. May I call myself a Christian. I know that I'm saved. I know that Jesus has died for me. But do I recognize his role as Christ? His role as prophet and priest and king? And that if I call myself Christian, I too must be engaged in those offices of prophet and priest and king. Next Sunday, we look forward to coming together at the Lord's table. It is our regular practice the week before to, to prepare for that celebration. 
and to reflect on our walk with God. This week, we, we ask ourselves the question, the question, am I prophetically declaring his name, both regularly in worship and regularly outside of worship? Am I offering myself as a priest, as a living sacrifice to God, and regularly interceding for the needs around me? And am I warring? against the devil and the world and all that would come against me, even my own sinful flesh. And as we reflect upon, upon those questions, we find we are coming up short. We find we are not living that Christian life. And the call this coming week is not to stay away next Sunday. The call is to acknowledge our weakness and our need for the strength of God. He has given us the supper to strengthen us in our walk with Him. And so if we find ourselves falling short, to be sure we confess those sins to God, but we look forward to next Sunday when we will take and eat of the body and blood of Christ and be strengthened by His blood, by His body, by the power of His Spirit that we may live our Christian life to God's glory. And we might say, in the confidence of the Holy Spirit, yes, I am a Christian. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you and we praise you for the work of your Son. We praise you for his work of salvation that he offered up the perfect sacrifice for our sins. We praise you for his anointing as prophet and priest and king, that he is our chief prophet and teacher, that he is our only high priest, and that he is our eternal king. Lord God, we thank you that through Christ we share in that anointing. Oh, may your spirit so fill us that we might fulfill the task you had given us to do when we fall short, O oh God, may we once again confess to you our weakness and pray to you for our strength. Use us, O oh God, for your glory as your children, as Christians. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.